So when we meet Jesus and we declare that He is the Son of God, immediately you become a son or a daughter. Immediately your identity is given to you. That we are loved and that we are grounded and rooted in His love and we know that we're His kids, then all of a sudden we get to understand what we're made for, what our purpose is, which is where inheritance really begins. Intimacy says God chose you and He loves you. Jesus Christ died for you because God loves you that much that He wants relationship with you. You can't perform it. You can't earn it. You have to receive it. Yay, you made it for the financial Sunday. Woo, congratulations. You never know when it's going to be. Uh, we just sort of sneak it in. Um, but we believe that uh, this, is, this does tie in with inheritance. And so um, can you, before I start though, can you raise your hand if today is your birthday? Oh, that's awesome. I just say, hey, hey. Okay. When your brother-in-law and sister-in-law pastor the church, you might sometimes get called out for your birthday. Happy birthday to Deanna. It's her birthday. Um, and uh, we just wanted to celebrate her a little bit this morning. Yay. And um, her husband is, is not my doppelganger. Someone came and shared with me. It's like, you have a doppelganger here. I'm like, no, that's my brother. Uh, it's, um, but if you guys are ever wondering how I'm sitting in the seats and on the stage at the same time, that's how it's working. Um, so happy birthday, Deanna. Happy birthday, Deanna. Yeah. Um, so inheritance, if we are... The reality of this is the reason that I wanted to tie this in with today and with inheritance is that we believe that living waters exist and one of the, for, for specific purposes, we believe it exists. We do, because we're here. Um, we believe that it exists for specific purposes and one of those is, is a little bit jokingly, but we call this a religious detox center. And, um, and it helps people come in and heal um, from religion. And that's what we want to do. And one of the reasons that we teach things repeatedly like intimacy as the foundation of all of our life. And that out of intimacy, identity flows as sons and daughters. And out of that reality of sons and daughters, we have a dad who has an inheritance. And we have Jesus who died and gave us that inheritance. And as we, we teach those things year in and year out, because we believe that's breaking mindsets off of people. It is about intimacy. It's not about performance. It's about your identity that's imparted to you, not the identity that you earn and want to live in. It is about stewarding the fullness of the Holy Spirit, not about getting out there and doing all of the works to check the boxes. There is things that we have to keep repeating to people and repeating year after year because it's our joy and it is our passion. Another one is women in God's kingdom. You're going to hear us teach that, if not yearly, at least every 18 months, to be able to remind people that in religion, we create separation, we create tears, we create importance in the kingdom. But in, if we look at scripture freely as it's taught to us, we see that Jesus was doing something so much more profound to that, restoring us to that right place in the garden Adam and Eve created together in God's image created them and that's what we've been restored to so we continue to teach that because that's not what's taught everywhere and sometimes people need to hear that on a regular basis as we continue to see people coming and this place is growing we're going to keep teaching these things and another one that we do is finances 
because this is an area while I, um, I watched The Send yesterday. Did anybody watch The Send? It was, uh, it was, raise your hand if you saw it. Yeah, a few of you watched it. A lot of like really, it's all about to the nations. It's about being sent. It was a stadium gathering. Everybody was having a great time. Masses of awesome preaching. And, I'm, and I kept arguing with God of like, are you sure you just want me to talk to people about finances? Because I'm kind of fired up. I want to send everybody to the nations. Like, let's go. And, um, but he, he, he is showing us and teaching us that if we truly want to be a sending church, we have to learn to be a giving church. If we truly want to be a church that revitalizes a city, we have to be a giving church. And if we want to be a church that gets to be a part of seeing people broken free of religion, we have to be a giving church. But we have to give it, we have to give in a way that isn't religion and that we aren't being caught up in things that aren't true. And so inheritance, the fullness of Christ in us, in the Holy Spirit, so that we live a lifestyle that spreads the gospel and brings the kingdom. That inheritance, it means stewarding everything that God has given us, our gifts, our passion, our abilities, and our resources. And so we're tying in this financial conversation with inheritance because we will be marked as people, as families, and as a church by how we steward our finances towards the gospel and toward the kingdom and towards seeing people's lives changed. And so this is how we walk in that place of inheritance. And this is how we bring heaven to earth. So why do we love talking about finances here at Living Waters? We love talking about finances here at Living Waters because we think it, it, that healthy families talk about finances. When I say the word finances to people, talking, we're going to talk about money, uh, they sometimes have this anxiety that rises up in them. Why? Because they're either dealing with struggles right now that have to do with finances, or they grew up in a home where there was constant fighting and fear and anxiety and worry around the area of finances. And so we believe that it is healing to be able to be a part of a family where we can talk freely and openly about finances and not have it driven by hand-wringing and by anxiety and saying, no, this is about trusting our provider to move and give us the resources and do the things that bring him glory as he walks with us and teaches us how to do that. So we don't have to have anxiety and fear when we talk about finances. Also, if you've been in, a, in other church contexts over the years, talking about finances in a church setting like this also might induce some anxiety, and that's why we love, I love teaching this message, because we get to break that off of people as well. And so here's how we do finances here. We like to be accountable. Um, one of the ways that we're accountable to people is that when you give, it's not simply disappearing into some bank account. So you can go to lwrv.org slash give anytime, and on that website, you'll be able to find our financial report. You can look at our finances. You can look at the same report that our financial leadership council gets, and you can see where your money is give, going when you give. We are not asking you for blind trust. We're asking you for partnership. And in partnership, there is sharing of information, and there's opportunity for you guys to go, hey, what's the deal with Ryan getting a Corvette? Um, <laughs> Don't come and ask me. Ask our financial council. Let me show you who some of them are, our leadership and financial council. So we create that, create that accountability online. Um, Pam Darnell, Judy Kerlinger, CJ McPhail, Martin Boylan, Jack Friend, Aaron Brown, and Dennis Browning. I know I saw Martin, Jack, and Aaron for sure. Pam, are you here? Can you guys stand up real quick for a second if you're here so people can see you? So they know Aaron, Jack. Martin, where is he? Oh, he went to the restroom. That's all right. So it starts to happen as you get a little. 
We love him. He's going to kill me later. Um, let's try not to make a big deal about it when he comes back in, okay, everybody? Hey! Yes! There he is. All right. So we have um, on this team... We have people who want to talk with you. Who the, the really beautiful thing is that they are so passionate about stewarding the resources that come in for God's purposes and that we love being accountable and trackable and reportable. And so we have this great team. They're available for you. Talk to them, hit them up, ask them questions. The other way that we like to talk about finances is by explaining well the giving pathways that we have available to you. How do you give? If you wanna partner with us, you can give in person. You can give online, or you can always text any amount to 84321. You can give in person. I was talking with someone the other day. They were expressing to me how valuable it is for them to take a few minutes to write out a check. And there's that place of interaction with Holy Spirit to just say, remember, this is for you. I'm doing this, and I'm doing this consciously as an act of worship and an act of joy. So if you love to give in person, we, uh, we have these places for you to, to give. Uh, online is available to you, and then you can do the text to give. And then one way we want you to give more uh, often is through our app. And this is a great way to do it if you can. Go to Church Center. Uh, on your phone, your app store of your phone, download Church Center. It'll find Living Waters because you're sitting in Living Waters. It's by location proximity. You find that. And then on there, you can get events. You can get registered for stuff, but you can also give, uh, give through the app. So I want to explain this to you really practically too. If you're giving through a card um, and, uh, and it's not tied directly to your bank account, but it's one of your personal cards, you will be charged 3% per transaction that you give to the church. Um, if you route it through your bank account and you put in your number, your bank account number, and then send me your social security number. Um, just kidding about the, don't do that. Uh, kidding, I'm kidding. But if you, it's all secure, I promise. If you put in your routing number, you are only charged 25 cents per transaction. Um, and that is regardless of how much the amount is. So this is simply a practical tip on how to be good stewards of what we're trying to give. If what you're giving is having a 3% taken off, it would be better to do it through your bank routing number, only 25 cents. So more goes to where you're trying to get it to go. Um, we just want to give you a heads up about that. One of the reasons that we love talking about finances here is that we believe in the cause that we have to make Jesus famous in this city, to see people coming alive in Christ. And this is about investing and partnering, not just being a giver. Um, and this is the reality is that as I am passionate about what God is doing, I look around this room and I see families and I see situations and I see individuals and I know the things that God has done in people's lives to change kids' lives, to change marriages, to show up for you in your workplaces, to be faithful to you in these things. And looking around this room, I cannot help but just burn with a fire saying, I believe in what God is doing here. And I want you to give, not because I'm twisting your arm. I want you to give because you look around too and say, I get to take part in what's going on in the youth ministry. I get to take part in what's going on in the kingdom kids. I get to take part in these marriages being restored and these lives being set free and prodigals coming home and people coming to know Jesus as their, as their Lord. Like you guys get to be a part of that. And I want you to give out of a place where you're passionate about that. And so we're unapologetic 
Because we believe in what God is asking us to do and what God is doing here. And then we believe in teaching about finances because we, be, we think that stewarding your freedom rather than being controlled by a religious entity telling you how much you should give and how often you should give is far more effective of bringing up your maturity in Christ. If I say, you don't have to give. You don't have to give. If I say that to you, and you're free from any religious obligation of giving, you now have the responsibility to go, okay, then I need to get into the word. I need to talk with the Lord. I need to decide what I give. And that raises up and where I give and how I give. And that raises up your immaturity because you are learning to stand on your own and, uh, and, and make these decisions as opposed to me standing up here and saying, if you're not giving 10%, you're robbing God and you're under a curse. It would be so much easier to raise funds that way. And I get it, it's a shortcut, and there's just enough truth if you really, really squint. Right. Actually, there's none, sorry. Um, so, I can't even squint and make it true. Uh, so Malachi 8, 3, 8, and 9. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me because you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. So this verse has been used either subtly or directly from pulpits and from stages to get people to give into local churches in North America and around the world. And it is not healthy for us to give because we fear being under a curse. So we have to, me being on the stage, I have to own this and go, there is freedom in finances for people. And I restrict them when I ask them to live under an old covenant that is no longer theirs because Jesus Christ came and inaugurated a new covenant based on new and better promises. The old is completely gone. And Jesus has said, I became a curse for you so that you are no longer cursed. So how can I tell people that Jesus broke every curse over your life, yet if you don't give, you're under a curse that Jesus broke? How does that work? It doesn't work, and we don't even understand the context of this scripture to be able to talk as if it fits in any way into this room at this time, at this place. This is a verse that's actually written to the Levite priests. And the Levite priests, they didn't have an inheritance. They didn't have a land a, a, in the promised land. They weren't given land. And they're the ones who are being called out. The priests are being called out because all the people bring them a tenth of their, in, of their cattle and their crops, and they bring it to the Levite priests. And their job is to take 10% of that to Jerusalem one time a year. And they weren't bringing that to Jerusalem. It wasn't, about the, it wasn't to the people, it was to the leaders. If this verse is gonna be applied, let me rest, make sure that you can rest assured that this verse is not ever gonna call you out. If I believe that I'm a leader, then it's actually right, written to me to make sure that I'm stewarding the resources that are coming into this place. But that's even a stretch, because you know what? It's not written to me. And I'm not Levite. And I'm not a priest, and I don't live in the promised land, neither do you. We are a priesthood, we are a royal nation, but we are in that place. We have broken out of these old covenant laws where it's all about blessings and curses. If you do this, you'll be cursed. If you don't do this, you'll be whatever. That's, we're not in that anymore. 
And so there's freedom to be taught when we look at this scripture. But I want to be really clear, and I'm going to spend some time this morning making sure that you all hear me clearly. Otherwise, I could be up here just banging a gong and making everybody feel weird and uncomfortable because I'm saying crazy stuff like it's, it's pretty much witchcraft. And that's not really my heart. I might have gotten a little carried away in first service, but it's okay. So I want, to, I want you to know that growing up, I was taught to tithe. For my whole life, from my first paper route, that at eight years old, going around Oak Knoll, delivering newspapers. Oak Knoll is steep, by the way. Delivering newspapers that my, my parents taught me how to tithe. And they did it in a way that wasn't religious and it wasn't coercion. It was freedom. They taught it to me as a principle. You give 10%. You save 10%. You live on 80%. This was a kingdom principle that they were teaching me that was powerful for my life. And it never became about performance when my parents were teaching it to me. Now I got into church and things began to change a little bit. And that's, we can talk about that all day long as how that different setting begins to shift us. But I want to make sure that you know that my parents taught me and the way that they taught me meant that I had to live in trusting God as my provider. I had to live in faith. And I still to this day am applying in my own personal life, the same principles that they taught me. So I'm not here to bash on something that has been a foundation to my life. I have seen God faithfully show up time and time and time again. But my heart wasn't in that place of performance and I wasn't under a religious obligation for the most part. And so I want to honor my heritage. I want to honor my parents. I was never taught this as law. But then I did begin to experience it. And I think that this is different, though, than a lot of us who have come to church later in life or have grown up in church. It's different. You didn't experience that in your home. You have experienced what I would call religious manipulation to make sure that your finances are coming into the church. And that's not a healthy way to live. Okay, and whether it was intentional or unintentional, I want us to not worry so much about that. I just want to make sure that from here, moving forward, that we are in a place of freedom in our finances and that if we are going to give, that we are going to give because we believe in what God's doing here. We believe in partnership and we want to be together in sharing our resources for his kingdom purposes and not because of any other reason. So um, here's what I want to do. Underneath your seat, um, yeah, underneath your seat, before I read this, I want to just, you can just set it in your lap and give me a second. I'm going to read a couple things to you. This is an illustration. I did not make this up. This is not just a caricature, but this is a pretty... This is a pretty severe illustration of the kind of unhealthy teaching that some of you may have sat under or that you may have felt that you were put under. And I, and I only share this so that you can have an aha moment and go, oh my goodness, this is what sometimes is being taught in our churches. So to be clear, what I'm about to read is gross and it in no way reflects our hearts, okay? So this is what a teacher said. If you don't pay tithe, the Bible says you are robbing God and you are under a curse. This curse cannot be removed by your good works or the fact that you are born again. You can only reverse this curse if you start paying tithe. Tithe is the only key to prosperity and God's blessing. The Bible is very clear about this and there is no way around it. <clears throat> 
You have to choose between being under God's curse and God's blessings so abundant. Those who don't pay tithe are robbing God because all income is from God. All God asks is 10%, not 50%, not 90%. God, the giver of all, just wants a little portion to take care of the men of God and help spread the gospel. I just discovered another issue I have with this. The curse of the Lord. The curse of the Lord can be poverty, financial instability, disease, failed marriages, childlessness, or things just going very bad in life for you. If your life is going nowhere and failure has become your middle name, paying tithe can reverse it all. The curse of God, the curse of God. Shall we take an offering, anyone? The curse of God means you block God's blessing from reaching you. How you worship truthfully does not matter. God says if you withhold tithe from him, you are cursed. When your business fails, the promotion does not come. When disease and misfortune ravages your family, it is the curse of the Lord. Paying tithe can put an end to that. Stealing from God has serious consequences. So I read this to you as an extreme, extreme, extreme example of what is has been taught and what is subtly, sometimes not this directly, but is still subtly taught, sometimes by our silence more so than what we are saying as leaders. And it's not always this direct, but I do know that it is pervasive in the church. I've heard of places that keep records of tithe. I've heard of places that check on people to make sure they're giving and how much they're giving. I want you to know that we don't look at those things, that Kate and I aren't looking at those records to find out who's giving so we can be better pastors to you. Um, If you're giving. (laughs) We're not. We're not doing that. I've heard of places that you have to, you know, Christian cults where you have to sign over your car, your apartment for the use of the church and leadership and things like that. And Um, As Drew says, if that's the case, we're not very good at culting here. We should be be telling people to give more, not telling them that they can stop giving. Um, So this is the the truth, though, is that even a more subtle way that if you're truly a disciple, that you are tithing, and that if you want to prosper spiritually or physically, that you need to be tithing. Otherwise, you will be under a curse. And so while that's an extreme example... I want to make sure of a, to be clear of a few things, and that's why we wrote this out so that I can read this to you and you can take it home with you. This is our heart regarding finances and how we are stewarding, how you're stewarding your inheritance and how we're stewarding our inheritance here together as leaders and as a family. How are we moving in that? So I want to share with you why we don't use the word tithe. Tithing is biblical in the Old Covenant. I'm not here to tell you that it's not biblical. It's biblical in the Old Covenant. What is not biblical is for someone to take the Old Covenant law and teach it in a New Covenant context and thereby place believers back under pressure, expectation, or obligation to give 10% of their income to the church in order to be godly, to be pleasing to God, or to be a good Christian. The apostles and the early church leaders had so many opportunities to teach new converts who believed Jesus was the Messiah that they should stop tithing to the temple and tithe to them instead, and they never once did. What they did teach 
is a whole new way of handling finances with grace and generosity through God and to those around them as they formed a spirit-filled community built upon Jesus. Let us be clear. There is nothing wrong with the word tithe. And I want you guys to hear this paragraph with all of my heart. Listen. And for those who were taught well, tithing is a part of your spiritual journey of faith in Christ. We do not desire to cast any doubt onto you or the way you have handled your finances before God. You have done well. Because giving to the Lord, whatever word we use, is about the heart to honor God, care for others, and steward the resources he has given to us. But that being said, there is still these reasons why we won't use that word very often. And those two main reasons are this. The first is because it is a word that carries baggage due to poor teaching on the topic. Unfortunately, for some, it is a word that has been used to hurt them or capture them into religious performance, leaving them spiritually manipulated or wounded by the church. Misunderstanding and misapplication of Old Testament scripture can confuse and wound us by placing us under performance or law rather than teaching us a better way to steward our freedom, including our finances The second reason is that the word tithe doesn't make sense to the average person who doesn't have a church background. One of our goals here is to simplify the words we say so that we make sense to both someone who has been following Jesus their whole life and to someone who has come into our church for the first time today. We don't always do good at it, but we're trying. A person new to faith in Jesus would understand the concept of giving, supporting a nonprofit cause, or crowdfunding because that type of thing is prevalent in our culture. So to invite people to come into financial partnership with us through faithful and generous giving is intuitive for our society, while tithing is a foreign word that is unnecessary for us to employ when teaching about finances. When you give a financial gift, when you partner with Living Waters financially through faithful and generous giving, you are making an offering to the Lord and it is pleasing to him, not because you are following Old Testament law or tradition. It's not because of an amount or a percentage that makes it an acceptable offering to God. It is how you give freely and why you give in obedience to his leading to honor him to share what you have and expand the gospel kingdom that enables us to confidently say your giving has honored him why why does this matter so much to us you can tell i get a little fired up about it um and really if you guys want to know why i'm so fired up about it is that one of my passions is is uh, so (laughs) again one of my passions is that we would not mix the old, test, the old Covenant and the New Covenant and create confusion in how we teach people. That is a mixing that leads to spiritual confusion and bondage that is not healthy. And so this is a passion. This is just one of the ways, but it is important that we get this right and we begin to teach New Covenant believers New Covenant truths and that we are not asking them to go back into old religious systems and not teaching that way. So Where was I at? Um, Why does this matter to us? Oh, I just told you. Uh, We don't want people giving money to living waters out of religious confusion, legalism, or compulsion. Kate and I would rather tighten the budget. We would rather honestly be bivocational than unintentionally or intentionally manipulate people to give to our cause or to this church, to cover the bills of this church, to care for the buildings of this church, and pay the salaries of those on our team. I want to be as honest as possible with our needs and with our finances and trust the Lord to speak to hearts, to bring increase and to lead us as a Christ-centered community of generosity. If you guys are here and you're a part of what we're doing, I want you to give because you believe in what we're doing. If there's other organizations that you want to give into that are doing a better job, then please be free to give into them. Believe in what we're doing here. Partner with us in what we're doing here. This matters. So our responsibility before God and goal for finances given into this church 
is that they would be accountable, trackable, and reportable. This allows us to show that the use of our finances is effectively empowering believers, equipping leaders, building up disciples, and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and his kingdom throughout our city and region. So in summary, if we are not living under the Old Testament law, which would free us from having to tithe, why then should someone give to meet the needs of their church leaders, their church, those around them with need, and even other Christian ministries and missionaries? Because this is the reason why, because we have a God to honor. Giving of what God has given to us is the basis of Christian living, the humility to acknowledge that nothing we have belongs to us and has been given to us by God allows us to understand that everything we now possess is his, came to us from him, and will ultimately return to him. We give because we have a blessing to share. Giving to others and into his work on the earth enables us to impact others through our generosity. We are blessed as we give to others and see their lives invested in and needs met because as Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We give because we have a miracle to experience. When we live in generosity, we are living by faith and will experience his miraculous ability to provide for us. Time and again, we have seen God ask people to give and time and again, we have seen God provide miraculously. When God prospers us, it is always for his kingdom purpose not to accumulate. We are resourced to do kingdom work, share the gospel, make disciples of the nations, revitalize cities and care for others. We give because we have a place to call home. Our giving supports and blesses this place that we come to church and the people who invest in our spiritual growth. We are a family and as a family, we take care of our home and we take care of each other. We give because we have a cause to believe in. Our giving increases our ability to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ, share his gospel and love our city. By combining our finances, resources, gifts and passions, momentum is increased and much is accomplished for Jesus, his cause and our specific purpose in this valley. I believe that something else happens that when we give, that we are united together. That, that, that the thing that is going to change this city, the things that's going to change lives is not how many people we can gather here on a Sunday morning, but really what will define us is how united in cause and in heart we are. And that by giving of our resources and saying we are working together, that that is uniting us in something bigger than ourselves. So... Uh, at Living Waters, we want people to give because they are in partnership with, with us, not because they are under a religious obligation. That is why we invite people to give faithfully and generously to us. What does that mean? By faithful giving, we mean an amount that, would, that you would give to Living Waters on a monthly, ongoing basis to allow us to build a budget, pay our team, upkeep our buildings, and plan for future growth. And by generous giving, we are not implying that faithful giving isn't generous. All giving is generous. But there are times when out of a financial increase, season of abundance, a debt paid off, a financial gift coming in or to meet specific need that arises, many will give a donation above and beyond their regular faithful amount. So we wanted to give you that. That was a lot of reading, and I appreciate you guys hanging in with me. But on teaching like this, this could be misunderstood. There could be a lot of things that, are, that I say up here that don't get tracked and don't get taken home with you, and that you're like, what was he saying? Was he just being weird and going off on stuff? But this is our heart right here. You can take that with you. You can carry it with you. You can see what's going on. And so I want to say to you in closing that when Jesus said, it is finished, this included the tithe and the old covenant. Our debt is paid. Now we give to bless others instead of earn a religious check mark or to avoid a curse or to get something in return. And so officially and forever, I want to release you from paying the tithe. You are released from paying the tithe. You are released from paying the tithe. 
You guys back there should probably keep. You are released. I'm kidding. Everybody's released. You are released from paying tithes. You are released from paying tithes. You do not have to give 10% of your income or your earnings to the church to be under your approval of your religious system. 10% can go back into your 90%. And now the only thing we ask is that you would live in surrender with your 100%. And that you would ask, Holy Spirit, how do I partner this? How do I invest this the most effectively to get a return for your kingdom and your purposes? That because I live in generosity, that the nations would be reached with the gospel. Because I live in generosity, that this city would be changed. Because I live in generosity, that my church would be able to do the things that we're dreaming of doing for the individuals in this room and for the city that's around us. Because I live in generosity, 100% of what I have belongs to God. And 100% of what I have will be stewarded by God as I carry my inheritance as a son and a daughter to invest it, not to just partition off of it 10%. I'm going to do whatever I want with the remaining 90. So we have fallen sometimes under this religious spirit or this religious influence. And it's good for us to be released that we know we do not have a religious spirit at work here. But just to double check yourself. How do I know if I'm living under that religious lie? How do I know if I've turned tithing or giving into something where I think I am earning my merit badge? Um, Which you can pick up at the Welcome Center, those of you that earned them this week. (laughs) If you don't know about it, then I shoosh. Mm. Um, How do you know if your finances are under maybe a little bit of a religious influence? You get nervous if your tithe check is late or you forget to pay it. Or this, when something bad happens, the first thing that you check is think, maybe I forgot to pay my tithe. Or this, you stress out about whether you should tithe over your net or your gross income. You're all nervous laughing. (laughs) Should I tithe on gifts? Should I tithe on my tax return? Should I tithe on that garage sale I had yesterday? You're stressing yourself out because you've turned it into a performance percentage instead of simply a surrender that would say, I just made 500 bucks at a garage sale. Holy Spirit, what should we do with it? This one's hard, you guys. This one's going to sound hard like I'm, like I'm really taking a shot at you, but this. You've gone into debt or neglected paying off debt in favor of paying your tithe. Uh, yeah. Just to encourage you, you can live a much more generous life if you would stop paying religious taxes and you would hold on to your money and you would put it before the Lord and say, why am I servicing so much debt in my life? It is inhibiting me from being the type of kingdom generous person that I want to be. It's time that I stop paying my religious taxes, start paying off my actual debts so that I can then steward my budget to live in a place of financial freedom so that I can be the most generous person in the room. Because that's what God has put as a value in my life. You will live to your values. You can tell me you value financial freedom and value generosity all that you want, but you choose to live in debt so that when God says go, you say no because you've already made that choice 10 years ago when you overpaid for that car. Is that too much, Andy? 
I'm sorry. I'll stop. I'm sorry. I got fired up. I I watched that thing all day yesterday. (laughs) Do you guys know what I'm saying, though? Like, let's make decisions today to be the type of generous people we want to be in five years. And look, if you can afford the fancy car, nobody's judging you based on what you drive into this, into this parking lot driving, okay? We celebrate it, man. Come on, have a sweet car, have a big house. We love it. But not if it is restricting and you're doing it in a way that is unhealthy, that's keeping you from being able to be able to say, to be able to be able to, to be able to say yes when Holy Spirit asks you to live in generosity, right? Okay, is that, was that kinder? Was that nicer? I got, I got riled up. We'll take it off the recording. It's like I never even said it. Uh, you know you might be under religious performance if you see someone struggling financially or otherwise and you wonder if maybe they haven't been paying their tithes. Or this one, you've, you've given God 10% faithfully while never inviting him into or submitting or stewarding your choices on the remaining 90%. So the bottom line is this. We depend on your spirit-led generosity to move forward here at Living Waters. We depend on your generosity. That's a reality of leadership that isn't fun. If I can be totally honest with you, a couple weeks ago when it snowed, I woke up in the morning and my kids were all excited. They wanted a snow day. Do you know what I was stressed about? What if I have to close church? Because if I close church, that's an $8,000 decision that I don't think we can afford. Because right now, finances are tough here. If I'm being honest with you. I don't think we can afford to close church. We just got to figure out a way to make it happen. And so I'm sitting there in the morning, I'm sulking, and I'm angry, and I'm frustrated. Because 20-year-old Pastor Ryan, idealistic and passionate, would be like, how dare you ever open the church because you're worried about missing an offering? But you guys know, carrying the finances and carrying the stress that comes with finances makes you do funny things. And you start to become something that you're not. And I'm like, God, I I don't want to be a leader who is so driven by making sure that every budget is balanced and every dollar comes in and that we have everything that I'm not even living in your miraculous provision and that I am losing my joy And I thank God for that morning because the snow was okay. We managed to open the church and I got to come here and I realized Holy Spirit just poured and dumped on me. And he said, you are not gathering together to take an offering. You are gathering together. Look around you at the things that I'm doing in people's lives right now. Even with snow outside and a smaller gathering, it was a powerful morning where Holy Spirit showed up because this is my people, this is my family. And if you gather and when you gather, I am going to do something amazing. It's not for an offering but I still have to look in the mirror and I have to say but the reality is is that we are reliant on people believing in what God is doing here and giving into that that allows us to dream and plan and have vision for the future it is us together and the decisions that you make affect us just as the decisions that we make affect you we are family and we are together and I want to share that with you because I need you to understand that when we are asking you to give, we are never gonna twist your arm. We're never gonna tell you. That verse says that you have to give. We are simply gonna say, we believe that Holy Spirit is gonna stir in people's hearts to give above and beyond in a way of generosity that is gonna allow us 
to do all the things that God is putting on our heart, our heart collectively, and all the things that we're dreaming to do, and that we would do them effectively because it is about sending. It is about changing. It is about going. So my own scriptural and intellectual integrity demands that I admit this to you this morning, that I and living waters have no God-sanctioned demand or right to anything that God has entrusted to you. I do not have and I will not use a religious trump card or guilt to coerce you into giving. I ask you to give freely. And in fact, I don't want you to think of yourself as a giver or as a donor. I want you to think of yourself as a partner in the kingdom work that's going on here. So that's our heart for finances. That's our heart for stewarding our inheritance. And so what we're gonna do today is I'm gonna pray and we are gonna take offering. And I don't do this so that you'll give more because it's at the end of this service. Some of you are probably gonna give less because that dumb thing I said about your car payment. Um, (laughs) Forgive me. You know, you could probably sell it at Blue Book Value and get out of that debt, though. Um, So um, I'm not putting the offering at the end so that you'll give more. I want you to experience what it feels like to just give in freedom or to not give in freedom. True freedom is marked not by what you have to do, but what you don't have to do. It is both. And so, so would you guys just pray with me over the finances of this church, over this house, over the finances in this room? Jesus... We give you this. We give this to you. This is about you. This is for you. And we just ask for your heart to be alive in us. We break off religious performance. We break off fear. We break off any of that stuff that would coerce us to give. And we ask in humility that you would steward this work, that everything that comes in, that it would be increased supernaturally and that it would be used for your kingdom and for your purposes, God that people would come to know you, Jesus, because of the generosity of this house, that people would be set free and healed and made right and broken off of religion and all of that stuff because of the generosity of this house and that this city would be shaken because of the generosity of this house, that we get to do it freely as an act of joy and worship and that you would take what we give no matter how small it is and you would remind us of the partnership that we're in together And that as you took those fish and loaves, that you would bless them and break them and that they would be multiplied in Jesus' name for your purposes. We pray this together in your authority. Amen.